0: Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys.
1: Adam, do you think we deliver consistent service on this podcast? Uh, Is that a trick
0: question, (laughs) Jimmy?
1: I'm sorry, consistently high good service is how I should say that.
0: I think you're, uh, if I could teach you something about customer experience. Uh, you should ask the customer, not the person delivering the experience. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that uh, you know eighty percent of executives think their organization has delivered great customer that's experiences, true. and eight percent of their customers
1: agree. Yep, yep. Well, but, I guess that's something our listeners should tell us then.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, we do know that consistency is important to customer service. In fact,
1: Absolutely. Back
0: when I wrote "Be Your Customer's Hero," I defined hero class customer service because. What other kind of customer service is there, Jeannie? Uh, but as, essentially, there's three attributes to it. Meet and whenever possible, exceed expectations, provide a hassle-free, frictionless experience. And you know what the third one was? Consistency. I was setting you up. I thought, I thought that was a softball, Jeannie. Do both of the above consistently. Exactly. And <laughs> I think it, it's not only you know, sort of the thing that isn't talked about because it isn't sexy. It's also mm-hmm. the absolute hardest thing in customer experience.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree, and it's hard to make humans behave exactly the same. And that's not what we're talking about, of course, because we don't want people to be robots. But a lot of it has comes down to the human nature of delivering, and um, I think that's why this discussion is so interesting because Mark really has a few things to say on that.
0: Right, and he studied it uh, academically. You know, they've really looked at some of the science behind service, which is really interesting, but. You know, we, we keep the conversation at a strategic level. We're really, just talk about how important it is to be consistent, and you know what the ramifications are. I think if uh, if you're not, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has to do with expectations. And you know, you, you yeah. can create your own expectations, right? By uh, you, your organization does it one way three times, and somebody uh, in the organization does it a different way the fourth time, and if that different mm-hmm. way is not like a wow. Right? It's not a uh, market improvement on the
1: expectation.
0: uh, Then, Houston, we have a problem.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Mark.
0: That sounds fantastic. Mark Colgate is a professor of service excellence at the University of Victoria Gustafson School of Business. His teaching roles have taken him all over the world, including regular assignments at the China European Business School in Shanghai the UK, Ireland, and New Zealand. An expert in customer service excellence, Mark has consulted for many service organizations, including the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, TELUS, Whistler, Blackcomb, Kiwi Experience, Sony, Toyota, and many areas of the BC and UK governments. Welcome, Mark. So glad
2: to have you. Thanks for inviting me on the show.
1: Well, we are thrilled that you're with us, and I'm really excited to talk to you about your new book. And I thought we could jump right into that because the title of it is The Science of Service. And your main argument, I would say, is that consistency is really the most important factor in satisfying customers. So can you expand on that? Tell us a little bit more about that idea in particular.
2: Yes, definitely. Um so the you know the idea is the book is uh, built on science um, you know we we know there's a science to things like you know psychology and biology and uh, economics but there's a really clear science uh, to service as well and there's you know 50 years of research on you know how to deliver great service and the uh, the root uh, of all of that science is building consistency consistency in terms of designing a service system so that you continually uh, are building in disciplines uh, to your service system that enable you uh, to always deliver great services. Um, The inconsistency I think happens where, you know, one employee does a great job for the organization and then another employee doesn't do a great job or you do a great job for a year or two because, you know, the CEO says we're going to focus on the customers, we're going to crack the code of customer service this time around and then, you know, 18 months, two years later, something else comes along or a new CEO comes in and they and they uh, and they focus on something else. So that consistency is building that service system that will always enable you to uh, to deliver great service. And it's much, much harder than organizations realize. But the uh, the big point is that science shows us the way.
1: That's funny that you say it's much harder because I think I was kind of smirking when you said that because I'm like, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) Because (laughs) if we could just get more consistency, that would be amazing. But people are nuanced and emotional and irrational. And sometimes that has something to do with it, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry. And I think, again, the idea is, you know, building in building in disciplines. What disciplines can you build in? That will mm-hmm. enable you to overcome that inconsistency, and so you know a simple example. Because I'm sure your listeners are wondering, what, what do you mean by disciplines uh, coaching? So one of the big things that I uh, that I talk about in the book is that you know you need you need a behavioral framework, a framework which enables employees to you know understand what great service looks like, um, and then um, and then be able to deliver that consistency. And that uh, that consistency comes from coaching. You know, if your if your manager or if your leader observes you in your role serving a customer, and then uh, and then does a post hoc coaching session with you, where they give you feedback based on what you did really well and how you can improve. If you continually do that, that is a great discipline that inc- creates that consistency. Just like a, so I really call it the athletic approach to coaching in terms of customer service. Just like an athlete who's observed by their coach, who's then given feedback. Um, if you continually do that they'll they 'll simply always improve they 'll always get better at delivering service, and also uh you 're doing a couple of other things you're you 're inspiring them because you 're showing that you believe in them and you want them to get better at service and also they 're now going to be more engaged at work right because they 've got they 've got very clear goals and they 're getting great feedback.
0: Well, I love that. I love the focus on coaching and sort of continuous improvement. Let's step back a little because that seems like it would be one aspect of creating consistency. I know you have a a fame model that's really about the structure of how to deliver consistently. Tell us a little bit about that. What's the structural approach, the model approach to uh, executing this? Yeah,
2: so you know really, it's about the idea that you know really there's kind of four things you need to do. Uh, to create uh, consistency and, and create a strong service system. The first is, uh, you know, build build a framework, a behavioral framework uh, that jumpstarts your organization, gets everyone on the same page. So it's, uh, a lot of it's to do with, uh, with alignment. Uh, and in the book, I introduce a very clear behavioral framework that's based on based on science, which is called uh, the three R's of customer service. The A uh, is of the FAME model. So the F is frameworks. The A is accountability you then need to hardwire accountability across the organization. So everyone feels a huge sense of ownership in always delivering, you know, great service. Uh, You know, the the holy grail of any strong service culture is that sense of accountability where employees, you know, feel when they turn up for work that it's their responsibility um, to, you know, to deliver great service. But you can't tell someone they're accountable. They'll reject that. You have to build accountability as a leader by, uh, you know, uh, coaching them. Um, showing them the difference that it can make, uh, measuring the right things, uh, recognizing people when they deliver great service. So the A is accountability. The M is the moments of power. When a customer actually, you know, on live chat or on the phone in a call center or face-to-face, how do you actually then deliver great service so uh the m of the fame model is about the moments of power where you win over the customer every single time but there again there's a science behind it there's a really clear science to how you win over the customer for example uh in, in customer complaint handling situations then enable you again to build in that consistency and then the e of the fame model so the f is frameworks a is accountability m is moments of power the e is endurance and this is, goes back to Jeannie, your question at the beginning about the consistency piece. The uh, uh, endurance is, you know, most organizations give up after a few years. They kind of, they start the process, they send their um, employees through workshops. Um, but you need to carry on, just like a marathon runner who at some stage will hit the wall. Uh, you need to be able to endure when when things aren't going so well. Your customer sat scores aren't as good as you like. You need to be able to endure. And so the last bit of the book says, you know, how do you carry on when most other organizations um, have given up.
1: Mm, I like that a lot, and I also, I think one of the things that comes up with consistency is, and it kind of ties back to that idea of endurance too, is that there are um, times when your people just get burned out a little bit and they right. start delivering less than simply because they're kind of over it. And uh, one of the things you mentioned in the book is really specifically around this idea of responsiveness, and and about communicating with customers, and there was an idea you mentioned about giving them, meaning the customers, cognitive control, and that really struck me. Can you expand on that and why explain and explain a little bit about why that's important?
2: Yeah, fantastic question. Thanks, Jeannie. Uh, so, so um, you know, one one thing, organ, um, you know, organizations, you know, and if you look at customer service from a holistic point of view, probably one of the areas that's uh, customers appreciate the least about customer service is the ability for customer, uh, for organizations to keep them informed, you know, when there's a delay in the process, you know, not telling them about the delay before they find out for themselves or not telling them why there's a delay or how long the delay is going to be. Um, and so customers love it when you give them cognitive control. And, and cognitive control is simply giving customers information so they feel like, they have some kind of control so you know re- really simple example um you, you go uh you're flying with you know southwest airlines um and the flight's delayed and if they don't tell you how long the delay is going to be and they don't give you any updates you know it makes that delay 10 times worse right because you're anxious mm-hmm. or uncertain you're kind of looking at everyone else uh, as, as to what they're doing um, but if you gave customers cognitive control by saying hey we estimate a 90 minute delay uh, here's why there's a delay they give you updates every 15 minutes in both situations you cannot control when that plane takes off right so you have no behavioral control but in scenario two you've given them information so they feel in control of course they are still upset about the delay but in situation two you feel so much more in control of the situation so an- another example is you know tracking a fedex package you know we send a fedex package and then we track it well it's a pretty useless exercise because tracking the package doesn't help it get there at all. Um, But we feel good about tracking the package. We wanna know if it's gonna get there on time, where it is now. So it gives us that sense of control. So any time we can take a step back and say, what information can we give the customer about so they can be more successful? Uh, You know, Again, a doctor who explains to you why you've got this ailment, why they're giving you this medication, what you need to do next, Uh, so that you can overcome this ailment and you have. They're such better doctors than a doctor who just gives you a prescription and you really don't know uh, why they're giving it to you and what you need to do next.
1: That's so powerful. And it makes me think of uh, an example as a parent when I'm saying, you know, it's, you know, you need to do this chore. And if I really talk to them about why it's important and why it's part of being part of this family and things like this, like... It's it's a much easier thing for them to participate in rather than just being told what to do.
2: Um, well, and though, so, though as to get teenagers to do anything's tough, right? <laughs> <way. laughs> That's
0: true. I don't
2: know. I remember growing up to uh,
0: do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> <Wasn't> that <it? laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. But the plane example—I mean, I've been—I think we've all been on those planes that are just delayed, delayed, and you're not getting inf- any information. Right. You're just sitting on the tarmac or something, and it's like. I, I always say the, I'm not claustrophobic anywhere in the world, except on a plane on the ground. Right. <laughs> like if, if we're flying, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. The minute we're on the ground, I'm like, get me off of this tube. <laughs> and it. I think part of it is that lack of control completely. So that's a great example for that idea of cognitive control over things that we, we can't control, but it makes us feel better to know, to feel connected to that information.
2: Right. And, and again, just going back to the, you know, the basis of the book, you know, cognitive control is rooted in, uh, in, in science, right? And the science mm-hmm. of the brain. And uh, so a lot of what the book tries to do is basically, you know, there's a say there's a mismatch between what the science says we should be doing in a, in a service context and what organizations actually do. So if we can just dig a little bit deeper into human behavior and the science, then um, then we're all going to be a little bit better off.
0: Amen. Yeah, I just I love having a, uh, an actual like formal name for mm-hmm. it, <laughs> which is really cool. Because you know, it's, it's funny. I do customer service training, all that kind of good stuff. And one of the big biggest things I confront with so many organizations is training teams on what to do in situations where they don't have control. Right. And it's exactly everything you just said. It's all about communication and what what are the things you can control. Generally, it's information and communication. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to the operational control, to your points, so I, I love it. It's fantastic. Well, tell us. You know, I know there's a lot of case studies in the book. Uh, maybe share a quick one that you think would be you know, really interesting for our audience. It has some really powerful lessons.
2: Yeah, it. I mean, I think the you know, uh, uh, not surprisingly, the best cases in the book were the ones that I was uh, there was involved in. Right, so I kind of got firsthand experience of of seeing it happen rather than uh, someone else telling the story. So. Uh, The Whistler, Whistler Chamber of Commerce case study for me, uh, for sure. So basically, four years ago, um, Whistler is a huge ski resort uh, in uh, British Columbia. It's uh, about 90 minutes north of Vancouver. And they had a customer service program they they were happy with, but they really knew they could do something more with it. So they asked uh the uh the business school where i worked the gusterson school of business to help them out and uh um and so the business school asked me to go up there and for 4 years now we've trained over 20,000 people in whistler uh the, you know people who come to te- uh, to work uh in the resort to you know to serve customers who are there for a for a skiing holiday or a summer holiday there and uh every single year our scores um have gone up so uh tourism whistler they uh, interview um tourists as they leave whistler and they're asking about the experience and um every uh every year our scores have gone up so the number of very satisfied customers has increased you know from uh the mid 40s to the mid 70s every single year so i think what the case shows is that you know you can even take the science of service and and build a community around great customer service it's not just for teams or for organizations you know rising tides lift all boats and so this idea that you can um, you can send 20,000 people through a service program rally a community around uh, delivering better service uh, means that you know that, w- that we can take this idea of you know uh, getting people to have a better day uh, and a, and a, you know and have a better experience with an organization you can do it in a community, not just an individual organization, and uh, I think that's a really nice little case to show that you know, if, if you if you're careful, you can you know you can use this science almost anywhere.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something we we all need to remember in our daily lives. You know, just that like this isn't this isn't a one-off. This is something that we're dedicated to moving forward as either a, an organization or a community, like you mentioned, yeah. or anything else. So it's it's a great example and. Um, there's a lot going on here, so I think it's great. And I know you have a lot of resources for our listeners. So can you tell them, uh, how can they find you if they want to know more about this and you? Yeah,
2: so, um, so, uh, markcolgate.com is, uh, my, my website, so they can go on there and, uh, lo- lots of resources on the website. Um, lo- you know, lots, I write uh, uh, a blog, so there's lots of blogs they can read as well. And obviously they can connect with me, uh, straight through the website, um, as well.
1: Excellent. Well, and we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining us and uh, and congratulations on the book.
2: Thank you so much. And uh, really, really kind of you to have me on. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Mark. It was awesome. Appreciate it.
1: So Adam, isn't it funny that in some ways we don't really look at service as a science. We don't look at customer service as a science, even though there's so much science available about it.
0: Uh, I'd say a lot of people don't. I mean, I think you and I do a little bit, not like Mark because Mark yeah. is a professor. He is like, this is his thing. Um, but you know, you, you and I definitely mm-hmm. show an interest in the psychology, but I think, you know, and so, some of the stuff around that, I, I like the idea of the um, cognitive control that he talked about, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you that know, I great. think when we talk about science in this industry, we so often talk about it from the experience standpoint, the data standpoint, right? Less from the human to human service standpoint, that interaction uh, framework, those interaction moments. And there is absolutely a science to a lot of that. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And I think we are better service providers and we'll create better experiences and set up our teams to create better experiences if we embrace that science a little bit more in this industry.
1: It's very very true and I think more science is coming too as we study more and as people kind of take interest in this in this more academic way, we're going to see more and more in the future that will really inform how we work, which is exciting.
0: Matt Damon's going to show up in his Martian costume and science (laughs) the blank out of it, you know?
1: Wow. You just turned science into a verb. I love it. (laughs)
0: Nice. (laughs) If you haven't seen The Martian, these references will be absolutely idiotic (laughs) to you. And it is a great movie, so please see it.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, more movie recommendations ahead.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's what we're here for, Jeannie.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. If you haven't yet subscribed, come on, what are you waiting for? Our subscribers get newly released episodes immediately. And what else do they get, Adam? They get our undying gratitude, right?
0: If you say so, Jeannie. (laughs) Wait, is that not consistent? (laughs) Did did you and I not deliver the same message? (laughs)
1: <laughs> they get my undying gratitude. How's that? Hey. <laughs> um, Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content at C Suite and C Suite I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our trademarked customer experience investigation. Mm-hmm a.k.a. CXI process and more at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam
0: Paporka, and you can learn more about me at customersatstick.com, and I'll show you all kinds of ways to get your team to deliver customer service more consistently. Until next time, take care of yourself.
1: And take care of your customers.